Hello and welcome to our podcast regarding food deserts. So my name is Mila Patel alongside my group members, Jackie Jordan, Maria Kashmira, Robbie Patel and Cora Theum. We are very excited to present you our topic and our research around food deserts, particularly in Georgia. So to begin our podcast off with, I want to ask you guys a simple question, right? So what is the furthest you've ever had to drive to access nutritional foods? Uh, I'm assuming a mile, 0.5 of a mile, even maybe next door to where you live. Well, that's not nearly the case for 2 million of Georgia's population. Yeah, 2 million. And that includes 500,000 children who currently reside in food deserts. And the first question we can ask from this is, well, what is a food desert? Uh, A food desert is an area where people have limited access to variety of healthy choices and affordable food. And this is a major health problem because many people are having lack of access to affordable nutritional foods, which leaves individuals no other choice but to consume what is available to them, which is often getting food from convenience stores or local gas stations, which also will, we know it doesn't provide the healthiest options, right? So, well, why do we care about this? And what is the long-term impact of this? Well, so what? They're getting foods from local convenience stores. It's food, right? Well, no, because they're not getting the proper nutrients they need. They're not getting healthy foods they need, especially children. And this can be a very alarming health concern because it is a large, it has a large impact on individuals' uh, long-term health, which includes diabetes, obesity, and even cardiovascular disease, which is we're seeing more prevalent in society. And the main purpose of our pack podcast today will be to inform you guys and to aid our listeners, especially around food deserts, which is particularly an unknown topic uh, in today's society because it's not really a prevalent issue, but we're seeing more of how food deserts are imp- impacting various individuals in today's society. So it's going to be very interesting to see an undercover topic uh, shown light today in today's podcast. And to sure further uh, explain to you guys why it's such a large impact, well, I'll give you guys another statistics, right? So about 19% of Georgia's population lives in an area where, without access to foods that make up a healthy diet. So many of these individuals are not getting the adequate diet, nutrients to fuel their day and to carry out their day-to-day operations, which is very alarming because having a good breakfast and having that mentality to start off your day, right, isn't provided for 90% of Georgia's population. Um, furthermore, I would like to also say that we're also going to discuss more in depth how Georgia's rural uh, food deserts compared to our urban food deserts, which is going to be very interesting because we're going to see two different characteristics and also two very similar aspects in food deserts. We're also going to discuss possible solutions regarding food deserts and possible outcomes that come out of it and what we can do to mitigate the different diseases that come out of it. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they all correspond and we're going to further dive into the different aspects of food deserts as well. As mentioned above, food deserts are areas where individuals have limited access to nutritious and affordable foods. It is associated with low income as food deserts tend to be more concentrated in impoverished areas. Food deserts are also associated with the availability and use of public transportation and higher percentages of minority populations. This is because low-income areas tend to receive less government funding in nearly all aspects. 
Thus, the lack of government funding, in combination with the high prices for fresh produce relative to low-income individuals and lack of access to grocery stores, results in numerous negative health outcomes. These health outcomes include, but are not limited to, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. Cardiovascular diseases, specifically, place a strain on individuals' daily lives as it is something a diagnosed individual must live with for the rest of their lives. From mental distress, such as anxiety and depression, to a possibility of mortality, cardiovascular disease is a major public health concern that requires education to combat. Let's talk about the characteristics of rural versus urban food deserts. Income and racial composition are important indicators of food desert status for urban tracts, while transportation access is the most important indicator for rural tracts. It's important to note that while most people have a preconceived idea of what rural and urban mean, a county is not the same thing as a census tract. You may think of counties as rural or urban, but a county can have rural and urban census tracts contained within it. There's also the idea that food deserts are an urban area problem, so it's important to distinguish between the differences of urban and rural food deserts. How did food deserts come to be? Let's start with the definition of a rural food desert. And just as a reminder, we are using the USDA's definitions for food deserts. The USDA defines a rural food desert as a census tract of at least 500 people or 33% of the people who live more than 10 miles from the nearest large grocery store. What are some causes of rural food deserts? Rural areas tend to be marked by declining populations as people leave for higher income urban areas. Declining populations decrease an area's ability to sustain a grocery store or supermarket, i.e. existing stores close and new ones don't move in. Rural food deserts are also a paradox of being healthy food producers, but not having access to it because as stores close, they lack the economic infrastructure, the stores themselves, to sell the healthy food that they produce. Urban areas, such as Metro Atlanta, are plagued with food deserts. Most grocery stores are placed through a process called supermarket redlining. Supermarket redlining is a term to describe a phenomenon when major chain supermarkets are disinclined to locate their stores in inner cities or low-income neighborhoods and usually pull their existing stores out and relocate them to the suburbs. Food vulnerability increases in urban, disadvantaged neighborhoods as a result of this redlining. Systematic Racism is one of the direct causes of food deserts in metro Atlanta. Housing, socioeconomic status, and demographic determines access to the grocery stores. Redline areas were often determined based on a high rate of African-American residents. Residents of food deserts who lack a reliable source of transportation are often forced to shop at convenience stores, where prices are higher than full-service supermarkets and selections is typically limited to processed foods in high in fat, salt, and sugar. For example, the neighborhood of Edgewood in the east side of Atlanta has more than 10 convenience stores within a 10-mile radius in comparison to the affluent area of Druid Hills in northern Atlanta with four major supermarkets within a 10-mile radius. How are food deserts studied? The first step in measuring a food desert is finding a food desert. 
A researcher starts with a definition of a food desert, and by the way, we are using the USDA's definitions for the purposes of this assignment and census information. Combining the two allows researchers to create visual maps of where food deserts are located. Maps can also include other variables of interest, and we'll talk about these. For example, county health rankings. This is a map composed of data ranging from the years 2011 to 2020, and I manually set it for Georgia counties. The factors examined within the county health rankings that are relevant to food desert status are food insecurity, which county health rankings define as the percentage of the population who lack adequate access to food. So selecting this measure shows by county the number of persons who are food insecure and the corresponding percentage of the county that these people represent. Uh, another variable of interest would be limited access to healthy foods, the percentage of the population who are low income and do not live close to a grocery store. And data is listed by county with number of persons and their corresponding percentage of their total county. And county health rankings took all this data from the USDA Food Environment Atlas. Another uh, visual map is the USDA Food Access Research Atlas. And this is a map that shows uh, food deserts based off of their definitions of low income and low access. The current map shows 2010 and 2015 census data and highlights specific census tracts meeting their food desert definitions. Clicking on a specific census tract gives the option of downloading that tract's data and other indicators of access such as food, vehicle availability, and supermarket access. There are a lot of other data sets and maps that exist that are relevant to studying food deserts. When studying food deserts in relation to something like health outcomes, it's important to find comparable data. While the health outcomes associated with food deserts are extensive, cardiovascular diseases are of specific importance as it is the leading cause of death in the United States. Cardiovascular disease takes an estimated 17.9 million lives each year, and over three-quarters of cardiovascular disease deaths take place in low- and middle-income countries. Cardiovascular diseases are a group of disorders of the heart and blood vessels and include coronary heart disease, cerebrovascular disease, and other conditions. Since food deserts are defined as areas with low access to health and affordable foods that tend to be more prevalent in impoverished areas, individuals are left with no other choice but to rely on what is available. And that tends to be unhealthy junk foods that are more accessible. The frequent consumption of unhealthy, greasy foods is associated with a greater risk for heart disease due to the large amounts of fats, salt, and calories contained in these processed foods. Over time, consumption of these foods leads to obesity, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol. These underlying health conditions ultimately puts one at risk for heart disease. Equally as important to discuss is the extent to which cardiovascular disease relates to the disability-adjusted life years, or dailies. Illness due to cardiovascular disease has numerous effects on the community. It impacts individuals as they may be forced to take off work for a certain amount of time to care for an ill family member, for example. 
This decreases economic productivity as patients must spend the time they could be working caring for the ill family member. Further, those who are ill are forced to take time away from work to recover from the illness or surgery. With that being said, this may drastically change an individual's financial situation, ultimately reinforcing this vicious cycle perpetrated by poverty. There are also intense effects on the individual. Treatments may be costly and individuals may be unable to receive a proper diagnosis depending on the area they reside in. Rural areas tend to have lower access to healthcare services, which may cause the illness to worsen without treatment or the facilitation of behavioral changes through education. Additionally, the ill individual may begin to feel as if they are placing a burden on their caretaker or caretakers. This may cause stress, which further suppresses the immune system emotional distress, depression, anxiety, etc., which all ultimately contribute towards and worsen the illness. Overall, a heart disease condition may negatively impact the ill individual along with their caretaker, whether it be academically or professionally. Academically, meaning the caretaker may be forced to miss school to accompany the ill individual on their doctor's visit. Professionally, meaning they have to take off work to care for the ill individual. There is good news amidst this negativity. Fortunately, all of the aforementioned effects can be eliminated or reduced with education, behavioral changes, and the implementation of various policies to combat the issue. What are some ways that those of you living in food deserts can do to eat healthier? You can cook instead of eating out. However, the problem with that is that because food access is generally lower in places with lower cost of living, this makes sense as to why those living in food deserts are more likely to eat at fast food chains. Those that have land space can have the option of growing food at home, limiting the trips needed to a grocery store. Those solutions at individual level does not necessarily solve the problems of food deserts, which is why there needs to be solutions provided by the community. This includes neighborhood food co-ops, keeping local farmers' markets open later, increasing transportation access, bus stop farmer markets, mobile food markets, and making food delivery more affordable. To begin with, I'd like to talk more about neighborhood food co-ops. Neighborhood food co-ops is a great solution, especially if you can't get a big grocery change to come to your neighborhood. It isn't easy, but worker-owned cooperatives can grow the local economy, provide jobs, and get fresh food into food deserts. An example is the Renaissance Community Co-op in Northeast Greensboro, North Carolina. In 1998, when the Winn-Dixie Grocery Store in Northeast Greensboro, North Carolina closed, it created a food desert, a community without access to food. For years, area residents tried to get another grocery chain to come in, but none wanted to come to predominantly African-American low-income towns. The community finally came up with a solution on its own, one that didn't rely on the outside company to come in. They put into motion a plan to open Food Cooperative, a full grocery store bringing area residents access to fresh fruit, vegetables, and other staples. It's a welcome addition to a town that came in second place for food insecurity in the United States and provided more than 32 jobs for the locals. Another solution I want to dive into is mobile food markets, where it brings fresh, high-quality, culturally appropriate, affordable foods into food deserts. An example of this is Halifax Nova Scotia. 
with a focus on creating healthy, just, and sustainable food systems, as well as building community project partners with growers, nonprofits, businesses, governments, and community groups, we're able to formulate a plan and a system to create a mobile food market to sell fresh food. The way it works is that there's a fresh food loaded onto a bus where they go around in desert situations and sell fresh food at specific stops. During their 21-week trial run, they managed to make $22,389 with an average of 39 customers per market location. And with their survey found that 93% of customers found it that the market location makes it easier for them to buy fruits and vegetables, shortening the distance they need to travel without the market. Lastly, the solutions include reaching out to state and federal government for solutions. These solutions include creating federal food assistance programs targeting getting healthier food to food deserts, building accessible grocery stores within a few mile radius from one another, and funding for more education on benefits of eating healthy and making healthier food choices, and the health outcomes that result from unhealthy eating. How can we ensure that plans to tackle food deserts will be taken into account? Food deserts impact many people across the country and most importantly in our state of Georgia. The prevalence of obesity and the incidence of chronic diseases such as CBD on local population rates are some of the public health effects of food deserts in Georgia and across the U.S. To help bring awareness and change to this issue, petition for more public transportation outside of Metro Atlanta and expanding bus routes into areas of food deserts. Allowing specific small grocery stores to open later that are located near food deserts can give those with food insecurity more time to get the healthy food that they need. Educating children and adults on healthy food choices and how to get access to healthy, nutritious food can help alleviate the damaging effects of food deserts.